Yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. It is Friday, June 9th. 2017. How's everybody out there doing? I'm Sam Rosenberg. I'm here to talk a little NBA Finals. Well, this is is a little difficult because, uh, you know, I mean, I haven't been dropping podcasts as often as I usually do. The last podcast I dropped was uh, last Tuesday, um, May 30th, and uh, the NBA Finals has been such a one-sided affair for the Golden State Warriors that um, tonight, the Golden State Warriors are up three games to none. They've won games one, two, and three. At this point, it looks like it's pretty much a done deal. The Warriors are going to win the title. Um, the question is, uh, are they going to sweep the Cavaliers tonight in game four, or will the Cavaliers be able to extend it to a fifth game and take it back to Oakland? Um, let's unpack this. So last time I, I did a show, the finals hadn't even started. We were previewing um, I pretty much put it out there and said, I think that LeBron James is the greatest player in the league. I still think LeBron James is the greatest player in the league. However, there's become a little bit more of a discussion, you know, now that Kevin Durant has been dominating in this NBA Finals, you know, is Durant better than LeBron? Listen, you say whatever the fuck you want. I think Durant does a great job, but I mean, LeBron is still the best player in the entire league. That does not equate to a best team in the league because at this point, we got to start talking about, are the Golden State Warriors one of the greatest teams to ever be composed, ever? Um, I mean, listen, when you start holding them up against teams like the Showtime Lakers, Michael Jordan's Bulls, um, the Celtics of the 50s and 60s with Bill Russell, uh, you could even throw in there things like, you know, the Boston Celtics Super Team or LeBron James Miami Heat Team. Um, this Warriors team probably could put a lot of these teams to shame. Uh, I mean, to be in a situation where you have four players who are not only all-stars, but quite possibly in the top 10, if not top 15 of players in the league right now to be on your team, I mean, you get into a predicament where you're sitting there saying, oh my God, there's so much firepower that even LeBron James and the Cavaliers can't figure out how to defeat this team. So... It is Friday, uh, tonight at 8 o'clock Central, because I'm in Texas, um, is going to be Game 4 in Cleveland. Uh, Cavs are down, you know, 0-3. It's pretty much looking like a dung deal, as I just said. I like to repeat myself sometimes. But let's let's just rip apart what's happened in the first three games. So, Game 1 in Oakland certainly had a lot of fanfare. There was a lot of expectation you know, after a kind of lukewarm NBA playoffs, there was a sense that this was going to be this clash of the titans that everybody was hoping for. And truthfully, it was almost a foregone conclusion during the season that it was going to be the Cavaliers and the Warriors all over again unless something happened. And the truth is, the NBA has become so kind of lopsided with these mega teams, and that's certainly a point of discussion for, I think, the the owners and the league and the, and the advertisers. But love it or hate it, that's where we're at. We came to the third straight year of seeing Cavaliers-Warriors, and um, I, I mean, when you think about how good the Warriors are, it's almost hard to fathom that the Cavaliers were able to win last year, not only win, but come back from being down three games to one. Now, this time around, pretty much what you had in games one, and it was, it was similar in game two. To game two, the Cavaliers came a little closer. Game one, the storyline was pretty much that from an offensive standpoint, the Cavaliers and the Warriors were able to stay close up until about the third quarter of the game. Uh, LeBron was playing fantastic basketball. 
you know, Kyrie was definitely playing great. Kevin Love has been great. You know, that's something that's, I think, we continue to bowl over. I think there's an expectation that Kevin Love, from an offensive standpoint, is usually pretty good, but also there's a bit of a sense that he's kind of a, you know, a real weakness on the defensive side. That has not been the case this year. On a defensive end, Kevin Love has been pretty goddamn effective. The problem was that once you got into, into quarter three of game one, Kevin Durant went off and Steph Curry went off. And the two of them just started scoring, you know, unconscious scoring where they're just killing them. And it was a situation where Draymond Green didn't shoot well and Clay Thompson did not shoot well. But Kevin Durant and Steph Curry alone were enough to bury the Cavaliers. I mean, LeBron said it after game three, there's just so much firepower on this team. And it's true. Kevin Durant is truly the, you know, he's the thing that puts the the Warriors over the top. I mean, last year when you had Harrison Barnes in that piece, you, you know, in that, you know, that starting line playing that kind of four position role, you really were limited to what you could get out of, you know, your team with having a week with, with Clay and Steph and Draymond as your stars. And now you've got a guy who, in my opinion, is arguably better than Steph Curry. I know Steph Curry's a two-time MVP, but Kevin Durant has done things and has abilities on the on the on the floor that I think Steph Curry doesn't always have. I mean, I think Kevin Durant's a better defender than Steph Curry, and I think what we've seen so far in this finals is that if anybody's going to be the finals MVP, it's going to be Kevin Durant, not Steph Curry. Even though both of them were offensive powerhouses in Game One, it was still. Kevin Durant, because you're also seeing on the defensive side, Kevin Durant is typically the guy guarding LeBron James. He's the guy that's really got a lot of the defensive burden when dealing with the King. And he's been doing a pretty good job of it. There's only so much you can do to uh, to limit LeBron, but I mean, he's doing everything he can. Another storyline that really came out in game one was the role players for the Cavaliers disappeared. Okay, J.R. Smith really got no production. Tristan Thompson, who's been an absolute force absolute force this entire playoff run for the Cavaliers has really been a non-factor in this Warriors series. I mean, listen, he's there, he's hustling, but his effectiveness and what he contributes to that Cavaliers team, it doesn't have the same effect when you're playing a team like the Warriors. When you're playing a team where there's enough switching that it makes your head spin, and then you got a team where you've got all these guys on the perimeter who can just shoot and stretch the defense a guy like Tristan Thompson kind of gets forced off of the floor. And when he has been on the floor, he just hasn't been nearly as effective, especially not when he's, you know, crashing the boards. That's still something he does. But there's always an expectation that you want to try to get, you know, 8 to 12 points out of Tristan Thompson. They weren't getting that either. Coupled with the fact that Kyle Korver missed all of his shots in Game 1, Richard Jefferson made some defensive mistakes in Game 1, it was really a situation where, you know, it was was like, all right, here's Game 1, Cavaliers want to run and play fast, up-tempo ball, I don't think that was a wise decision, they played right into the hands of the Warriors, they lose by 21, okay, we've learned our lesson, let's go back to the drawing board, let's try to figure this out again. Game 2... And now this is something else that came out. You started to see Clay Thompson, his defensive ability started to really shine. And again, game two was a little bit similar to game one, except the Cavaliers were able to stick with it a little longer. 
LeBron got his teammates involved early. He started to give a lot of touches to Kevin Love, gave a lot of touches to Kyrie. Um, all of this in the first quarter, second uh, uh, second quarter, so he could get that first half going, so his teammates could get going, and he could also, you know, so he wasn't shouldering the bulk of the scoring. Now, it was a similar situation again where Kevin Durant and Steph Curry were just killing them with the three ball. And whenever they needed an isolation play, Kevin, Dur- Kevin Durant's got it. I mean, he can post up LeBron. He can post up Tristan Thompson. He can post up whoever the fuck they put on him. You put Kevin Love on him? Listen, Kevin Durant was backing down Kevin Love, you know, multiple times in game two. And this was another situation where the Cavaliers, they were close. They, instead of losing the game in the third quarter, they lost the game in the fourth quarter. That was when the that was when the Warriors really pulled away. And again, another situation where Klay Thompson really wasn't scoring that much, Draymond wasn't scoring that much, but Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, that's enough to bury the Cavaliers. And the Cavaliers, they got more production from their bench. Um, in uh, you know, in game two, I think that was a big difference maker. The fact that J.R. Smith scored, Kyle Korver scored, you know, Tristan Thompson actually put points on the board. But you know, something we have to say is that Darren Williams has been an absolute ghost of himself in this series. You know, he's played he played great minutes for this Cavaliers team at the end of the regular season. He's been very effective during the playoffs. But every minute he has been on the court in this NBA Finals, he's just been absolutely terrible. He misses open shots. He hasn't been effective on the defensive end. And I think the the Cavaliers are something like minus 7 or minus 10 whenever he's on the floor. And this is a guy who seven or eight years ago they were saying might have been better than Chris Paul. Just absolutely disappointing. Disappointing to see such a drop-off from Darren Williams in this NBA Finals. Especially at a time when they need every single guy on this roster. Um... Game three, game three was Wednesday night and was probably far and away the most exciting game in this series. It was the realest opportunity for the Cavaliers to hold home court and win a game. They were in the game for the majority of the game. They were losing by six points at the half, but they were still in it. And and with four minutes, four and a half minutes left to go in the game, the Cavaliers had a six-point lead. And then... I mean, the whole game unraveled in those last four minutes. The Warriors went on an 11-point run, and there was just play after play where there were moments where you look back and you just sort of say, eh, you really scratched our heads there. There was a couple of moments where, you know, they got open shots. LeBron took an open jumper. He misses it. There was a shot when he drew the double team. He kicked it out to Kyle Korver. Kyle Korver had an open three-point shot. He just missed it. You know, and, and and you get opportunities where you sit there and you see how they're up by six points. They throw the ball down low to Kevin Love. He throws the ball up at the hoop. Instead of getting fouled, instead of making the bucket, he gets blocked. The Warriors get the ball. They go back down the court. Steph Curry hits a jumper, and all of a sudden it's a four-point game instead of being an eight-point game. Those little teensy things. Like at the end of the game, they're in a position where uh, the Cavaliers can get a two-for-one. Kyrie Irving dribbles the he dribbles the entire shot clock out and they blow that and they end up having to foul. Again, there was another possession in the final two minutes where Kyrie Irving just dribbled the entire shot clock out, going isolation ball when they needed ball movement and they needed to draw up a play. I mean, there was a moment at the end of the game when Steph when I think it was oh it was okay. Here's here's the kicker. Let's talk a little bit more about game three. So game three was the closer game and one of the, one of the interesting storylines of game three is that. For the first time all series, Clay Thompson got hot. 
Klay Thompson got really hot. He started shooting three-pointers. He was making them left and right. And whereas Klay Thompson had been a poor shooter all series in games one and two, he was hitting them in game in game three. I believe he finished with 30 points, more than Steph Curry. And then you've got a couple of the fact that Kevin Durant finished with 31 points. Steph Curry finished with, I think, 26 or 28 when you have all three of them scoring like that, game is fucking over. I don't care how good your defense is. Because the Cavaliers, you know, we've been knocking their defense all season, especially as we got to the playoffs. And this whole thing of can they, quote, flip the switch? Can they turn it on when they need to? Well, I mean, they're not. Listen, they're not as good a defensive team as the Warriors. And they're not a great defensive team in general. But they can play some pretty good defense. And they were able to, yeah, flip the switch to some degree. But... Even with the switch flipped, they still cannot handle this Warriors team when you've got Curry, Durant, and Klay Thompson scoring over 25 points on you. At the end of the game, it's a one-point game. The Warriors just took the lead. The Cavaliers take a shot. And I swear to God, I saw this and it was exactly what I thought. I, I feel like I could I feel like I willed it to happen. Kevin Durant takes the ball up the court without hesitation, just pulls up and shoots a three. Splash, baby. Like slam, like just dagger to the chest. Hits the three-pointer absolutely cold-blooded. Like they go up by four. I mean, at that point, the fucking game was over. And then as soon as he hits that shot, Ty Lue and the Cavaliers do not call timeout. I mean, you could tell right after that shot, J.R. Smith didn't even know what to do after he pulls the ball up. I mean, it was a real moment where it's like, guys, you really got to sit back and look at how you handled that. That was not handled well by a team for a game that they desperately, desperately, desperately needed. Okay, if the Cavaliers win that game and it's 2-1 going into game four tonight, this is a completely different series. Completely different series. I mean, this is it wasn't an elimination game, but it might as well have been. This was a must-win scenario for the Cavaliers, and they were just buried, buried under three-point shots. I mean, that was... It was a real moment where all of a sudden you sit back and you start to say, wow, is this the greatest team we've ever seen? And we got to talk about this. We got to talk about this Warriors team. Are they the greatest team we've ever seen? Because this Cavaliers team and LeBron James, I mean, the fact that we've seen three straight years, Warriors, Cavaliers, you know, that's where we're at. That's the destiny. That is the dynasty that we're in. Okay, the Cavaliers have done their run. You know, at this point, it almost feels like it's just the LeBron run. You know, whether he's in Miami or whether he's in Cleveland, you know, it's the LeBron James, you know, Eastern Conference juggernaut versus whatever super team is out there. And for years, it had always been the Spurs. The Spurs had always been this perennial super team, especially with Greg Popovich figuring out how to make it work every year and just kind of, you know, plugging and playing new players, but now the Golden State Warriors, they they hold the championship belt, and this unique situation that they've gotten into with the salary cap jumping up, their ability to sign Kevin Durant, one of the greatest players in the league, and fit them into their cap, you combine that with the situation of um, Steph Curry signing the smaller contract because there was a doubt about whether his ankles could actually, you know, live up to expectations. You combine that with Jerry West, who, you know, there's been some rumors he's going to go uh, start working for the LA Clippers, and we'll see if that actually plays out. But Jerry West saying, hey, we should not trade Klay Thompson for Kevin Love. Like, all of these pieces play into this super team that you have now. Having Draymond Green, a guy that you drafted in the second round, 
turn into a perennial all-star. I mean, this is... to. I think it was, I was listening to the low post today. He had Howard Beck on and they, and Howard Beck made a really good point. He said, this is one of the first times you're going to see a team where all four of the stars are playmakers. These are all guys that can make plays and create things, you know, without having the ball. These are not isolation ball handlers like a Carmelo Anthony or, uh, you know, or a Kyrie Irving for that matter. These are not guys that have to have the ball in their hands all the time, so much so that they've got to hog it. If anything, they're the antithesis of Allen Iverson. The, you know, They do not need to live with the ball in their hand. Anybody can bring it up. You combine that with the fact that they've got this unselfish attitude. You know, They've got this, this desire to win, and you put them into this category of, you know, they could be the greatest team ever. None of these guys are 30 years old. Um, there's a very real chance that they could stay under contract for several more years. Now it has come out. I don't know if it's actually official or not, but Kevin Durant has made it pretty apparent that he intends to take less money to stay with the Golden State Warriors. And then you think about the fact that this team could be intact for another three years, another four years. I mean, if this Warriors team comes back the way it is next year, there's no reason to think they're not going to win the title all over again. And now we're sitting in a situation where it is serious dynasty talk. And the league hates this shit. The league wants more games. They want more parity. They want more TV money. And instead, they've got a situation where you've got super teams and no parity. And you can look at any, but you can look at the CBA. You can look at how, you know, the league knew this was coming. And, you know, even back in 2011, and they were talking about this on the Low Post podcast, like, Back in 2011, when they negotiated this CBA and the, uh, you know, the, the owners were crying about how you know, we're spending too much money on these salaries, there's not enough money to go around, you know, it was the union and the people saying, don't, don't be fooled by this. There's a, there is a new TV deal coming, and there's going to be a lot of money to throw around. And you know, they can say whatever the hell they want. They better prepare themselves for a situation when you've got lots of money going around. And... You know, they didn't prepare themselves properly. Um, you know, uh, the, the owners, is, you know, tons of money's going around now. Salaries are going through the roof. And you got yourself into a situation where the league and the union, or at least the league, they wanted to avoid what happened last summer where there was a massive jump in the cap. And you got into a situation where instead of all of the teams being cap strung, which was the case back in 2010 when the Miami Heat put together the super team with LeBron. They had to move contracts. They had to get guys off the books to make it all work within the cap. When the cap jumped up last summer, all of a sudden, like every single fucking team in the league had plenty of cap space. I mean, 20, like Kevin Durant could have gone to 25 different teams because all of a sudden there was plenty of money to go around. Now, you're getting back into the situation where there isn't plenty of money to go around. You've got to move a few guys. You've got to make a few trades. You've got to free up cap space in order to make the room. And, you know, Kevin Durant was able to come to the Warriors. The Warriors were able to keep all of their key guys. And they're able to do it for the next couple of years. So a league that was trying to essentially work to avoid a situation like that, they didn't do a very good job because now you've got a super team. And, you know, the ratings are not falling. They're not hurting. But I can tell you right now, the NBA would love to have six NBA Finals games as opposed to four. And they would have liked to have had the Warriors, you know, maybe not sweep all of those teams. Because I tell you, man, every time there's a sweep, that means there's one or two or three possible additional playoff games with playoff advertising, playoff dollars, and playoff money, money, 
amount of money that people are not getting. Instead, those, you know, those those games and that airtime goes to somebody else or a rerun of Big Bang Theory or, you know, whatever, or a rerun of some crappy ESPN, you know, show or something like that. I'm, trying, I'm not trying to knock ESPN. I'm just saying sometimes crappy reruns get thrown on in substitution for an NBA Finals game because it's not coming on or an NBA playoff game because it's not coming on. Um, it's uh, But we need to now talk about the Warriors being this dominant team. And I think, uh, you know, I said uh, in my last podcast that I thought I thought, I thought this was going to be a six-game series. I thought LeBron James' ability to score, Kyrie Irving, you know, some of the factors that they had would be enough to steal two games from this series. And, I mean, I think I'm wrong because I think, I think game three on Wednesday night was the closest example we had of the Cavaliers actually pulling out a victory. I mean, even if they play the same thing tonight, I just, I don't feel like it's going to be enough for them to pull out a victory. And it really, you know, it really makes you think about, you know, when you're down 3-0 and you know you're losing that series, nobody's ever come back from being down 0-3 in the NBA Finals. Maybe other, you know, maybe other playoff series in other sports, but in the NBA, nobody's done it in the NBA Finals. Um, so you kind of, it's, it's a pretty much a foregone conclusion they're going to lose. So it's hard to, to fight your ass and to, and to fucking pull that hard work out of your fucking ass to win that game four, just so you can catch a flight to fly back to Oakland to have a game five in Oakland where you're probably going to have to climb an even danger, an even higher mountain just to try to, you know, somehow maybe extend this series to seven games to go back to Oakland and try to win a game seven. I mean, I just don't see this Cavaliers team doing it. You know, they don't have enough X factors, you know, LeBron, LeBron in game three, LeBron sat out a minute and a half. He sat out for a minute and a half throughout the entire game. And I can tell you right now, the Cavaliers were something like minus 15 when he was on the bench. And I I was watching this game with my wife, Campbell, who is, you know, she's a basketball fan, not as large a fan as I am, but we were watching the game together. And I looked at her and I said, oh, LeBron's on the bench. He's got to get a rest. I was like, there's a minute 45 left in this quarter. That's about all he gets to rest. We proceeded to watch the Golden State Warriors go on something like a 7-2 run. I mean, whereas the, the Cavaliers had like a four-point lead when LeBron sat down to get some Gatorade, all of a sudden, as soon as the quarter ends, the Warriors are up by like 6 or 8. I, I mean, that if there was anything that could just illustrate how vital and important and essential LeBron is to the Cavaliers' ability to even compete on this stage with the team like the Golden State Warriors, that minute and a half on the bench shows it better than anything else you could watch in this entire NBA Finals. So, listen, I I hope Cleveland pulls out a game. I think they certainly got it in them. But the way things are looking right now, I think it's going to be a sweep. I think the Warriors are going to go a perfect 16-0. You know, I think Kevin Durant's going to be the finals MVP. He, he absolutely deserves it. He's played out of his mind. He scored 30 points in all the games so far in this NBA Finals. And, you know, more power to him. You can hate on him all you want. I don't care. I ain't hating on Kevin Durant. All right, man? He wanted to go to a new team. That's his right. All right, just because you're the great, just because the fans want you to stay with a team because that's what they, fuck them, man. You do whatever the fuck you want to do, okay? You're a free agent. Because you're a free agent, you get that right to go to whatever team you want to go to. And you know what? It was a unique situation and he got to go to the team he wants to go to. You can hate on him all you want, but in in 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now, he's going to have a ring. And you know what? 
5, 10, 15, 20 years from now, we're going to forget a lot of this shit. We're going to forget a lot of the hate. We're going to forget a lot of the knocks. We're going to forget a lot of the, oh, he just, you know, left his original team and went and joined a super team, blah, 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 blah. 20 years from now, when people are older and the people who are reading these articles are not my age, but maybe 10 years younger than me and don't remember this finals and didn't watch it as closely as I did, all they're going to do is they're going to pull up they're going to pull up a Wikipedia page and they're going to look at Kevin Durant and they're going to be like, "Oh, he won a championship in 2017. He's got a ring." That's all they're going to do. I mean, that's what I do when I look at Wilt Chamberlain, man. I wasn't hip deep in all of the gossip and shit around Wilt Chamberlain when he went from one team to another team or when he was, you know, you know, only doing things just to kind of pad his stats and everything. All we do now is we look back and we just say, okay, well, he won a title in this year. He was all NBA this year. He was an all-star this year. He was an NBA, you know, league MVP this year. We just look at the stats and the numbers. You know, just like, I mean, I was watching a commercial for the NBA Finals just the other day, and it was a commercial with Dr. J saying, hey, if you ain't got a ring, you ain't got it. Like, pretty much looking at the camera saying, you know what? It's all about the ring, bitches. And you know what? It is still, still going to sting for Charles Barkley and Carl Malone and John Stockton and Dan Marino and all those great, 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 great players who will have to sit there. Patrick Ewing. The guys will have to sit there and say, I never got there. I never got there. And for whatever reason, they could say, I played in the I played in the era of Michael Jordan or I played in the era of LeBron James. And maybe someday we'll be starting to talk about played in the era of Kevin Durant or Steph Curry or the Warriors or whatever. But, I mean, listen, man. He's going to get a ring. He deserves it. He's one of the greatest players in the league. And you know what? Like I said, in 5, 10, 15 years, he's going to be on some ESPN postgame show or some TNT postgame show with a little salt and pepper gray in his hair and a little beard. And he's going to be a little bit more affable because all of a sudden, you know, his entire life isn't under a microscope because he's a superstar of a team. Kevin Durant's just going to be sitting there holding the microphone with a little ESPN logo on it talking to some superstar about their post game or however they felt they did. And you know what? Right there on his finger, he's going to have a championship ring staring at you in the camera. Magic, baby. Magic. That's all That's all. it's going to matter. That's, nobody's going to care anything else about any of this other stuff. All it's going to matter, he's going to have a nice, shiny Golden State Warriors 2017 ring just staring at you in the camera. So, listen, I think that um, I think we're seeing one of the greatest teams of all time. I really think we are. I don't think that, uh, I mean, I think this is a team that can probably, you know, hold this torch and carry it for several years. I mean, I see this Cavaliers team, if they get swept, which I think they will be, you're going to start to see them, you know, it's going to be like LeBron after that 2014 finals when they lost to the Spurs and all of a sudden he's, he looks all mopey and he looks all sad. And you know what? LeBron is the GM. I don't care what the hell Cleveland says. He's going to either un, he's going to either dismantle that team and put it back together or he's going to jump ship. I have a feeling he's probably going to jump ship cuz getting swept out of the finals is an ugly thing to be a part of and you know what LeBron doesn't like that shit. And uh he's got plenty of years left in the tank. He's going to have to figure out an, another way to refight this to fight this Warriors team cuz reloading with Kyrie and Kevin Love Sooner or later, LeBron ain't going to, he's not going to be satisfied with that. And especially if this Warriors team gets better, the longer they play together, the better they're going to get. The more acclimated they get to Kevin Durant and all those guys, just they're just going to be even more dangerous next year. So, I mean, I'll say it. I think the Warriors are the greatest team we've ever seen. At least, listen, at least for right now. Maybe guys back in the 50s and the 60s would disagree with me, but 
right now, I got to give it to him. So that's all I got. I'll be back uh, soon. I'm coming back next week. Talk some uh, New York Jets. We got to talk. We got. We're having Shaka come back on and talk about this Jets and every. Geez, what a mess the Jets are. And we can talk a little Eagles as much as uh, as well uh, as um talk some bleh, talk some Eagles um as well. Uh, but in the meantime, enjoy the NBA Finals game tonight. It should be tipping off the next couple of hours. Um, thanks for listening to Sam Sports Podcast. Subscribe to my podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Follow me on Twitter at SmithFaceJones. Follow me on Instagram at Sam Sports Station. Uh, like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. And also email me at samsportsstation at gmail.com. Thank you again to Don Kinian for my Sam Sports Podcast theme music. Enjoy the game tonight. Hopefully we'll get another game out of it, but I have a feeling we probably won't. Either way, I thought it was a pretty a pretty exciting NBA Finals. Uh, even if it even if it is going to be a sweep, it's been pretty damn exciting. So uh, enjoy the game tonight. I'll be back soon. Thanks for listening. Take it easy. Bye bye.